Our humanity is being tested every day. We're always being asked to choose sides. We are, you know, being told that one position is right and one position is wrong. And yes, of course, sometimes that is true. And also, like, what does it mean for us to be able to hold complexity? And I think, like, that is what a, a good life is for us. This is Unladylike. I'm Kristen. Take a deep breath. Unhook that bra, if applicable. Loosen any waistline. We're in for a good time. We are in for a perfectly timed conversation with two podcast luminaries, Amy Choi and Rebecca Lair of Mashup Americans, who have done something that, that's, that feels almost inconceivable in this moment of podcasting, I don't know if y'all have heard, but it's been a rough year for podcasts and the audio industry. It's pretty tough. It fills my heart with so much joy. Dare I say gratitude, since this episode will be coming out the week of American Thanksgiving, that Amy and Rebecca, their latest podcast season marks their 10-year anniversary and to celebrate, they have compiled sort of the mashup American guide to life and really mining this overarching question of what does a good life mean? And today's episode, y'all, it really is this combination story of friendship and partnership and in the process, figuring out a life that does feel good to you, even when the rest of the world feels really bad. So, you know, like, right, right about now. Do you want me to start, Rebecca? Yeah. Okay. Do it. Hi, my name is Amy Choi. I am the editorial director and the co-founder of The Mashup Americans. And we are a creative studio and an independent media company that recenters stories on voices that aren't often heard from. We believe that mashups are the leading edge of culture, and so are we. And we are so excited to use storytelling as a way to bring people together and invite people into the incredible, diverse, technicolor world of America that we see. That's what we do. Why do we do it? That That's also part. That's all in there. <laughs> and I'm Rebecca Lair. I'm the co-founder and CEO of the Mashup Americans. And I think why I do it is because, one, you know, we've always had this sense that this is what our lives look like and why why are there no stories reflecting that? That's been 10 years since we started the Mashup Americans, looking around thinking, you know, to quote Mindy Kaling, why not me? Why not us? Why shouldn't we be the people to tell the stories? And the other is that that storytelling is what kind of helps people feel seen and alive. <laughs> and we need some of that compassion, nuance, and aliveness. Yes, yes. We need we we need more than some. We need lots and lots. <laughs> uh, 
lot. I would say, yeah, that I would say all, all. That's all I need. So, <laughs> so uh, on this occasion of your tenth mashup anniversary, I need to hear the origin story. Like, was there a meet cute? How did all of this begin? Oh, well, it is, um, it's very cute. Uh, Rebecca and I, <laughs> actually, it starts, it, we have a long romance, and we actually just had our, our charts read by Channy Nicholas, the incredible astrologer Channy Nicholas, and she was like, you guys are home to each other. And I immediately cried and was like, correct. You did but, cry. So I did. It was, it was. I, um, and then if this probably explains <clears throat> us is that I like shrunk down in the chair, like almost covering my face because the, because it was like too loud of a read. Like everything she was saying, I was like, this is very exposing here. I feel very exposed. Anyways, um, me cute, go on. But it was delightful. So Rebecca and I have been friends for I don't know, 15 years. And we met because her husband, Neil, is one of my very best friends from high school. And I think Mashup was just born out of our conversations and the things that we were passionate about and what what was really consuming us at the time, which was how to be our whole selves in all the different places where, where we found ourselves, the questions we were asking about our roots and our traditions, how those were going to carry into the futures that we were making with our partners and with our families. And my background is in magazine journalism, and I've been in New York media for a long time. Rebecca's was in the strategy and business development side of media, as well as deeply engaged in the arts and gathering people and gathering creative communities together. And so as we started talking about kind of our stories and our dreams for what a media landscape or a storytelling landscape could be, we were like, again, well, well, why not us? And that's how Mashup was born. And it's really similar to Unladylike in terms of you have like a point of view, but so many things fit into the bucket, right? Whether it's shrooms or sorority rush or much more high level intellectual ideas, right? About feminism. They all fall into that because there's so much about womanhood and feminism through your lens that makes sense. And that's how kind of the mash of Americans felt. We were looking at our friends, at each other and thinking, uh, uh, my friend Moya was getting married and it was a Nigerian Russian wedding. And I was like, this is actually more of my friends than not. And that's not in the binary conversation in America about race, identity, and culture, it's not reflective of almost anybody I know. And so that that's it. And then we were like, we got this. We're, we're complimentary. And then we've been in love. And it turns out I'm good at long-term relationships. <laughs> it's true. With Tauruses. Taurus is born in the late 70s. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Her husband and my birthday is like two days apart. And so, you know, it's, it's yeah, real heavy right. on, on the, the stars telling us that yeah. we all belong. Exactly. Well, and you, you know, you have the stars on your side, which is, you know, always a help. But what... Yeah. What also has kept y'all together over the past 10 years? Oh, wow. Okay, so there's a couple things. <laughs> I need to start with one, which is we are no longer equipped to work for other people. Okay? Oh, I feel that so hard. Yes. <laughs> like, we're like, we have to keep this yeah. going because, first of all, it's uh, extraordinarily important and really interesting to see even though we have been doing it for a long time and thinking about it for even longer, people are just coming to it 
to mash up life or to an understanding of their mashiness, of the pride in it, of the of the tension of trying to figure out what it is are are coming to it now. And so that when they find our work and find the stories, they're connecting into stuff that we were writing or commissioning 10 years ago. You know, everyone's getting there when they're there. So there's still a huge audience for it. And the world is becoming only increasingly more mashy, which as we would say, you know, a proxy for that is that there's a 276% increase in people who identify as more than one race from 2010 to 2020 on the census. So the numbers are there too. But I think what's kept us together is like also as <laughs> heterosexual women in straight <laughs> marriages, <laughs> we also get a version of a deep marriage or deep partnership, a deep relationship that has so much other richness and complimentary stuff like we really hold each other we really want each other to succeed not that I don't have that in my <laughs> my marriage <laughs> but I said uh I do have that he's the best but uh it's the way that we hold the he's complexity the of me. each other's you well that's right the complexity of each other's needs of what it means to be women moms business owners riding the wave together of entrepreneurship, of storytelling, of the news in the world feeling attacking of you, that we can we hold each other and we understand each other as marginalized people, as women, as moms. And so that's been, I think, one of the great joys of this work. And I think we're both uh, extremely in impressed with each other's expertise. Yes. <laughs> like I'm just watching Amy edit something. I, I I'm just like, look at that. She just moved those <laughs> sentences around. She edited out that. Pe All I describe is, you know, it felt heavy there. Or I you do I use I describe it in that feeling, and she's like, yeah. And then she makes it beautiful and clean and not heavy in the language we use. So it's just a deep respect too. That's a long way of saying love you. Love you, my God. Well, I also. The thing that I would want to add to that beautiful description of our life together is also just I have found in Rebecca somebody who wants to to live with integrity and has huge ambitions for what the world can be and what humans can offer. And I think in in kind of our darkest times and maybe we're as a society in that right this instant that there is like nothing more valuable than somebody who can cut through all of that, see the hope, have faith in people, have faith in what we can each do together. And I think the fact that we can take those kind of big, big ambitions, and Rebecca can, and then translate that into a day-to-day -day life and work that is meaningful. Like every day yeah. we can – I feel like we can go to sleep at night and feel good about ourselves. Like, I feel like we live with integrity. We work with integrity, you know, and this has all been stuff that has evolved, like something that instinctually, I think both of us were drawn to in each other. But I, I do think that part of what has made our success, part of what has kept us kind of always still moving forward together is our truly shared approach to life and the kind of human we want to be and the potential that we see in the world and like the fact that with all of that shared connection we're still two very different people with two different skill sets and two different ways of of like reaching out into the world that like i actually can't 
I don't I don't know what else are we going to do? We got to stay together. <laughs> like, this is this is it. Unladies, my camera roll is packed with photos of intern Brewster, my beloved dog. Truly, there are way too many to post on social. It would be concerning to see how many photos I have. But thanks to my skylight frame, I can now display them in beautiful HD color in my living room. Have you heard of the skylight frame? Listen, if you are a a dog obsessive who takes way too many photos like me, or if you are looking for a perfect and personalized gift for any loved ones in your life, you need to check out the Skylight Digital Picture Frame. Skylight is a touchscreen photo frame you can send photos to straight from your phone and they appear in seconds. And here's the cool thing as far as gifting goes. You can preload photos before the box is open. You can set it up in portrait or landscape. It comes in two different sizes, all sorts of color options. They're so confident you're going to love this digital picture frame. Skylight offers free 120-day returns. And as a special limited time offer for unladylike listeners, you can get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash unladylike, that is S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash unladylike. Get $15 off yours and get those photos popping. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. I'm going to play y'all a clip of yourselves describing who mashup Americans are back in 2014. Mashup Americans are pretty much everybody that you see on the street that you're like, I wonder what they are. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a mashup American. Mashup Americans sometimes speak different languages with their parents. Mashup Americans sometimes eat totally different food at home than they do outside of the home. Mashup Americans got really curious dating advice from their family. Mashup Americans are very attractive. (laughs) And Mashup Americans understand that being American is fluid. I like that one. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Wow. Here's what I'll say. The most important part. Mashup Americans are very attractive. (laughs) Yes. That's true. Oh my gosh, it's very funny. I mean, you've been doing this show a long time. Do you, when you hear your own voice from a long time ago, like, did my voice get lower in adulthood? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I I started podcasting in two thousand nine, and I I'm pretty yeah. sure I have dropped like a full octave at least. <laughs> right. What this is something to investigate after the mushrooms, okay? <laughs> yes. Like, yes. And maybe maybe in combination <laughs> with I don't know. 
Oh, oh yes. on mushrooms, Love. your questions will be even more thoughtful about it. <laughs> but does, what do you all think about that, your kind of initial description of who Mashup Americans are, and does it still ring true? It does ring true, but I, I think part of what has always been exciting and a challenge about what we do is that we're trying to set a tone or give a feeling a lot of the time. So sometimes there's a lightness to the way we describe what mashiness is to give a sort of overall feeling about it, which it's so much more deep and complex than even that. You know, last year we were investigating grief as mashups and ancestral grief, and it's a lot about the sort of really hard parts of mining who we are and our identities. But I think on the other hand, all those things still hold true and are the things that hook people in, right? Getting really, honestly, mostly racist dating advice from immigrant parents <laughs> or, you know, wondering who people are or understanding that identity moves mm. in time, in context of history and in your own life, different, like the different hyphens of your identity. So all of that feels very, very true to me. And I love the way we're trying to explain it. We've always been trying to figure out how to explain it. Like now I might say, you are a mashup if you are living in a culture that's different than the one your parents are from. You are in a relationship with somebody who's from a different cultural background and making a life together. And then the larger community, which is just the culturally curious and people who are happy and excited about being in a mashup world, which is the world we are in. The final bit in that video from 10 years ago is this idea that being American is fluid. And I think the core of that remains true for us and for this project and for our vision of what it means to be American. I think the expansion of our ambition is that it's, it's not just that America is fluid, is that we are the ones that are shaping what America is mm. and that we are the ones that get to work to find a future that makes sense for all of us, that brings like joy and peace and that this is not something that is predetermined. And it's not mm. something that is status quo. And so fluidity means not just being able to dip into and reach into the cultures that as mashups, as children of immigrants or immigrants ourselves that we carry with us, but that we can use all of that to form what is coming next. And I think that that is the heart and soul of what we do that feels still really fresh and exciting today. Mm -hmm. I think something we've been really clear about this is a this is a very mashy thing is that like we always make sure you say amy's name fully right so amy Choi, because that's me i think that's you mm -hmm. and having different voices different ethnicities different ages different accents all sort of stuff reflected in their voices and on our show has been very very important to us and i think i say the thing about amy's name because when our prejudice bubbles up, when you see an, like an Asian face, you know, there's an assumption that has happened so many times, which is where are you from? What's your story? That continuing feeling of outsideness mm -hmm. that so many Asian Americans feel throughout history is that being like when you hear Amy's voice, you actually you can't project what her face is <laughs> and 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 that I, I feel like that's something we've always been really conscious of in terms of saying, 
you're going to get to hear the details and then weave a beautiful story with me about understanding who I am or my point of view is without some of the other noise that comes with seeing people. I don't know. That's something mm. I've thought a lot about for in our in this particular work. But I also just I think it's I don't know. I really love audio. <laughs> I I and I feel like it's we still are kind of inventing so much about it and I think that's what's cool. Like do I wish we just all had sponsorships and didn't mm. have to try to get mm-hmm. ads? A hundred percent. I think ads don't really work the way um, for for people doing except more for the ones on Lady stuff, Lake. yeah, yeah. I was um, like, don't don't tell them that. <laughs> oh wait, wait, wait! wait, wait. I don't mean th- I don't I don't mean that they don't sell things. I just think in terms of making a sustainable business for us, the makers. Yes, yes. it's a very it needs more. You know, we need a little bit more. But I don't know that it could that could happen anywhere else in any other medium today, and that is really exciting to me. And one thing that I'm really hearing from both of you that I'm also just like soaking in for myself as encouragement to take with me when I leave this recording is how unjaded you both sound and how excited you sound for all of the things yet to come. And I think that that segues pretty perfectly into the season 10 theme. So could you could you share what that is and why y'all chose it? Uh well, I love to hear that we don't sound jaded. So thank you for um <laughs> truly for for reading that in. I think you know sometimes it's like um uh, we did a project for for Peloton and we talked to some different psychologists and there's this idea of like smiling while you run (laughs) makes you less anxious so there's sometimes some of that too right just being really being like we got this we have to see light in this world because we're alive you know we are optimistic because we believe confronting challenging things is like is a very optimistic thing to do what do you think amy what do you think why do we want so I think first guide to a mashup life. Why do we want that? That's the theme of this season. And I think 10 years in, we were reflecting on what we've learned from so many amazing conversations, people like you, people on our site, in person, just that there's so much wisdom in it. We have a friend, Winti Singh, who's a sick man, who wrote questions you've always had about my turban, but were afraid to ask. And it remains so popular because of the way he talks in it. And it's so thoughtful and open and clear and beautiful and, and alive. And also assumes some grace and generosity of the question asker instead of... Mm. Um, you know, so much of what the internet is, which is a feeling of being attacked uh, or attacking. And living in a cesspool of the worst of humanity. Exactly. <laughs> and people who don't have to have to know each other's humanity. So I think that's the the core of it is like we were trying to think of what's the opposite of the internet. <laughs> what are the ways that we can either be with people in real life right now or give grace or think really in nuanced ways about the deep questions that consume us and that give us joy and are very mashy. I think also, you know, I've been I've actually been thinking about this 
a lot. And this will be news to Rebecca, which is very rare. It's very rare that any thought of mine is news to Rebecca because we talk 12 mm. on 12 different platforms all day long for 12 hours a day. Yes, but that thinking true. about what is a real life or what is being in real life is that like I think part of what like our project has always been about from the get, right, has been like how do you be your whole self in all the places where you are? How do you resist the urge to code switch, which is sometimes necessary, sometimes very natural, but like, how can you be you and your most you at work with your friends, with your flirtations, with your family, at home and in the public? Like, how do you tap into the you-ness of it all? And I think something about, you know, what does a good life look like in real life, on the internet, off the internet, is people to feel whole. And when people can feel whole, they can expand outwards and like give that wholeness to other people and give that grace and give that generosity that we're talking about. And with that grace and generosity comes like creativity, collaboration. Like you don't have to be afraid of other people's ideas or other people's positions or their politics even because we understand that we're in this together and that we're all trying to build like a good life with integrity, with joy and with service to other people. A good life doesn't mean a simple one. It just means that like all of the parts can work in concert or that we have faith that we can work in concert with each other to to push like all of ourselves forward. And that, you know, that sounds really like highfalutin and whatever philosophical, but also like that means we get to laugh. That means we get to ask big questions. That means like we get to teach each other how to have uncomfortable conversations. And we have those uncomfortable conversations. And I think what we came to in 10 years of doing the business is like, oh shit, not everybody's on board yet. So we got to bring them on. Mm -hmm. And so we just want to keep on pushing that forward. How does your own meaning of a good life and what that entails, how does mm. that compare to maybe when you were younger? If there was ever there was ever a point when you thought like, yeah, that's what I should be striving for. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say the thing that like, you know, first generation Korean immigrant, my parents came in the 70s. I was the first person in my family to be born here. And like... A good life meant I was rich, I was secure, I was married to a man, and I was skinny. I think that was probably it. Those are I have four fingers mm -hmm. up in the air. Those are probably <laughs> that that was a good life. Mm -hmm. I don't fault my family for giving me those as like four totems for a good life because they came from war. They came from like abject poverty in Korea in the 50s and 60s. And then they came here and they wanted something different. Then as, a, as like I developed into myself, I think a good life meant success, respect, friends, travel. It, I think like I started growing into this idea, but without maybe the substance that came with like, well, of course somebody wants friendship and travel in their life. But what what is friendship and travel? Like, what do those things mean to you? Why are those things so significant to a good life? 
And that is like the kind of deeper understanding that I think that, you know, that like this work and Rebecca and our partnership has helped me realize is that it's not just friendship, it's community. And community means that we can Mm. essentially do anything, right? Like we can get through anything together. Travel just doesn't mean like seeing new shit. It means being able to like immerse in worlds that are not your own, that we get to learn and we get to appreciate and we get to see the kind of surprise and splendor and be humble in front of it and also realize that we, how lucky are we that we live on this earth and that all of these other humans also do too. I'm somebody who like, I always wanted to be a writer or storyteller of some sort. So like that part piece of it hasn't changed. But if I look at the other characteristics of like a good life, it's not so much that they've shifted, but that I have a much more, I think, profound understanding of why those aspects make a good life. Rebecca? It's such a beautiful question. And I really appreciate you asking because um, we spend a lot of time talking about what's important to us and then also making stuff in the world and, and helping tease these conversations out of other people. So it's always really special to have somebody actually ask you. So thank you for that. I think it's very much for me about connectedness. That's what a good life is. And what has changed for me over time, I think is, or I'm still working on too, but an understanding that like the way that things feel good or important to me, I don't have to be right about everything mm. except in my home where I'm always right. Obviously. Um, yes. I mean, I'm often right. So that's <laughs> it's easy for me to say. Easy for me to say I don't have to be right because I am. In, in um, a recent episode of our podcast, Rain Wilson, who is a friend of ours, star of the office, but also a a deep spiritual seeker. His whole thing is like, wherever you find it, wherever you can seek something bigger than yourself, whatever that looks like to you, it's worth it to have that kind of depth of engagement in this world. And I'm still figuring that out, but I know how I approach it in my day to day. But awe and being in awe of everything and grateful and a depth of gratitude. That's really the kind of the highest form for me of a good life and also a lot of laughing and and also fighting for other peoples. Uh, we just had a conversation with Min Jin Lee, the author of Pachinko, who is just one of the most brilliant writers and thinkers of our time. And we were joking about bullying bullies. Like I, you know, how do you hold up? Like you, you hold people accountable. I don't know. This is sort of now these are my tips for living, but I think there's just like a hospitality holding people giving. That's a very mashy thing, which has always been the way my family is like you. I mean, in literally in my marriage contract with my husband, the Jewish marriage contract, the ketubah, we wrote one of the, tenets of our marriage is to have place for f- friends to and family at our house a bed and food for anybody mm. it's like it's a principle of my life and mashiness and the mashup americans has that was now many years ago that we we wrote that but it continues to show me that truth as and i'm welcomed in by so many people so that's a, the bigger picture i think allowing myself to sometimes feel 
bad or jealous or those things, which I thought, I think when I was younger, I thought you had to be better than that. And now I listened to the author Ruth Ozeki, um, who is also, I think, a Zen monk trained. And she talked about when I, she was asked, so do you think now that you're you know, because you're a, a Zen monk, you don't get jealous. And she said, no, <laughs> I just know how to get over it faster that it will pass. But she's a human. It's like a graciousness and grace. That's what I think I've I've come to about what I think a good life is. And then just like holding your people so tight, just being with people often as women or as the what we define as our people or our community or our family is broader than maybe generations before. When I think about the way as as women and femmes that we connect to our people, I am f- really grateful for that. That I like, I probably text with 10 people a day that I'm like, what's happening with you? Are you okay? How are you? I'm feeling sad about this or I'm happy about this or this made me laugh or this gave me hope or I loved this article or this poem or this piece of art. And I think that's not necessarily true for men in this world and i think for us it's like it keeps me alive and and grounded i'm nodding my head vigorously <laughs> yeah i mean i i just i, I need i need them we need our people oh my yeah. god so one a question that i wanted to ask to put a put a little unladylike spin on yeah. the season 10 theme of you know, the guide to life and this idea of of living and pursuing a good life. Does living a good life, whatever that might mean to you, does it also require some mashup rule breaking? Because on Unladylike, I'm always out here trying to like you know, poke holes in gender norms and expectations and all of these things. And I wondered if there was sort of a mashup lens on that. Oh, wow. Yes. It's like whatever the opposite of Emily Post etiquette is, (laughs) that's what we're talking about. Like how, like when we talk about doing things in a classy way, con class in a good way, what we mean is like creating abundance, not like this charger on your table and like this white doily or whatever. I don't even know. You're not, you're designed not to understand. (laughs) Yeah. Or to make people feel feel left out of. Yeah. Our whole rule, like the mashy twist is like, what bring them in hey you come in here like and people are invited in curious and loving and graciously invited in to enjoy things that's one i would say which is like not the way when you hear what the rules for uh, approaching things would be um here's what i'll say is our major i I think major unladylike move in terms of our lens on on what makes a good life and the ultimate guide to a mashup life is that uh, how do I say this? We don't center men or care. <laughs> this is a space that we create for us, and that yeah. it's a real fubu. Real every, fubu. For, <laughs> for us, us, by us. us, and everybody is invited in, but we do not create this space for the lens and comfort and uh, enjoyment of 
men, which makes us, like you, one of, I don't know, 0.2% of the world that is creating that space. And we feel very, very happy about that. We're going to come in loud with a lot of opinions. We're going to not do explanatory commas, but with a lot of love and laughter. What did you say? That sounds like um, you could write that in cursive and sell it on an Etsy store. <laughs> oh, but it's definitely happening. at like Michael's Home Goods. Because you're, you're live, live, laugh, <laughs> yes, love. Yeah. Live, laugh, love. Live, laugh, love, mash. <laughs> <laughs> no men. <laughs> uh, there's just like a sign. No men. <laughs> And ladies, what does a good life mean to you? What's your recipe? Is it secret? Is it a family secret? You can hear my answer to that question in my extended conversation with Amy and Rebecca over in the Unladies room. That is the Patreon. You'll hear more about that. And we also get kind of meta on our respective podcasting careers and how the industry has changed so much in the past decade. If you're not an Unladies Rumor, just go to patreon.com slash unladylikemedia or search Unladylike Media in the Patreon app to join and go listen to the 10th anniversary season of Mashup Americans. One episode I know would resonate with some listeners because I have heard Ask Unladylike requests from y'all in a similar vein. The episode is Lisa Ling Lives With Her In-Laws and it's great. Thank you so much to Amy Choi and Rebecca Lair. Uh, if y'all couldn't tell, talking to them was a balm on my soul. MashupAmericans.com is where you can also read that post that Rebecca mentioned. 11 things you wanted to know about my turban, but were too afraid to ask. And so much more. You can also follow them on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at MashupAmerican. If you have unladylike mashup stories, I would love to hear them. Hello at unladylike.co is where you can send me voice memos or emails. You can also DM me on Instagram at unladylikemedia. Unladylike is an unladylike media production. Executive produced, hosted, written, and edited by me, Kristen Conger. Mixing and mastering is by Multitude Productions. Our music is by Flamingo Shadow, Amit May Cohen, and Sarah Tudson. Until next week. Rebecca. Yeah. What is the most unladylike thing about Amy? Oh, boy. You know what it is? <laughs> I can't wait. I know what it is. She just is like, no nonsense. She just so <laughs> no nonsense. She just like, what's happening here? No, I don't. I'm not. I don't. I'm not playing games, trying to curry favor. She has to work really hard in video to not let her face show <laughs> what she's feeling. It's not that I don't need to show it. It's just that my face is bad. In I just look, I have resting bitch face. Well, she, yeah, resting bitch <laughs> face. But I'm just saying that in the beautiful way, you're like, I don't know what they're saying or why they're saying it that way. And it's a very clear. <laughs> and I think that's beautiful. That's in the spirit of unladylikeness. Okay, <laughs> go mm, on. Mm, you mm. can answer about me now. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, all right. All right. All right. Well, this is it feels unfair because I got a jump. I got like a 30 second jump on Rebecca. <laughs> the most unladylike thing that I love in Rebecca and that she 
helps me free in myself is is that we love women. Mm, and we really do. We see everything in women. And I, I think people are often afraid of women who just love other women. Or they feel like, oh, but you know, like, ah, this is also for men. <laughs> or like, <laughs> we can't. But yeah. it's that Rebecca leans into that so much and she encourages me to. And that we have found a way to both love ourselves and our complexity as women and to extend that to everyone. And that we want men to come along. Yeah, but we're going anyways. But we're going anyways. <laughs>